2: Are we ready? I love these quotes, by the way.
3: Hello, I'm Charlie Baker and welcome to Glory Hunters, the show that invites celebrity fans to come and have a go if they think they're smart enough. Each week, our guests represent the team they've always supported in an epic battle of wits. But who will have earned a place in this compilation of classic encounters? And who will be left on the cutting room floor? It's up for grabs now on Glory Hunters. Thanks for joining us for this special edition, where we'll look back at some titanic tussles and fiery fixtures from the past few months. Each week, we invite a host of names to play on behalf of their club in a contest that sees the winner advance to the next round. A competition that is host to a range of voices. Now is the wind oh. <laughs> of our discontent. And all the clouds that lord upon our house.
4: <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> yes, you know.
5: He's so slow these days, but if you make him angry and you give him some fireworks and put him <laughs> on the shire... <laughs>
3: He turns into McLennan
5: I Get down Do the chopper Get down I Do
6: the
3: chopper Do it We also brought you The musical pairing That no one thought Would ever happen Not David Icke And Tina Turner Eddie Grant And Delia Smith
7: Working so hard Like a soldier can afford a
3: An unlikely pairing perhaps, but then the show is full of unlikely match-ups where even the smallest of clubs must state their case in this. My
7: club's bigger than your club.
5: My club's bigger than your club.
3: Each team has 30 seconds to tell us why the club they support is bigger than their opponents. They're free to be as creative as they wish, as demonstrated by Ivo Graham when he tried to convince us that Swindon Town are bigger than Newcastle United.
8: I have a lot of respect for Newcastle United, or at least I did until earlier this season when I paid my first ever visit to St James's Park or the Sports Direct Arena. Did you know Newcastle are sponsored by Sports Direct? You'll know when you go to the ground. It's absolutely everywhere. What a, what, a, what a shameful advertising hoarding that is. At Swindon, you just have the names of classic players and they used to have one little sign saying Jamie Cullum Jazz Idol, which they had for about 20 years. But it's basically a, a, a sort of... It's a Mike Ashley museum. We're three divisions apart at the moment but Swindon are the most upwardly mobile team in Britain, whereas Newcastle are stumbling into the abyss. In 18 months' time, we will be in the championship together. You're going to get away with it this season, but not next. Up front this season, we had Owen Doyle for the first half of the season, scored more goals than anyone else in Europe. They've still got Andy Carroll up front and the absolutely hapless Joel Linton No, thank you. Richie Wellens is the most exciting manager in the country. Uh, Steve Bruce is a dinosaur who needs to be put out of his misery. I cannot imagine a fate worse than clinging on to the belief that Newcastle are something sort of big team whereas Swindon are a small team who are exceeding their expectations and will continue to for some years to come
3: Dougie Anderson mounted a robust argument in a recent all Scottish
1: affair when he argued that Hibs towered above Aberdeen Sir Isaac Newton Mahatma Gandhi Emmeline Pankhurst Rosa Parks. All important pioneers and trailblazers add to that list, Hibernian FC. First Scottish and British team to play in the European Cup got to the semi-finals. First team to play in the green and white hoops long before Celtic or Sporting Lisbon. But the design classic now of the green body with white sleeves is a beauty as we all know. Um, First British team to play at the Maracaná Stadium. We're talking global here but... Hibs transcend football by way of popular culture. The film that changed the landscape in the 90s cinema-wise was of course Trainspotting, written by a hippie, contains a cast of hippies. T2 Trainspotting, likewise. Sunshine on Leaf, the play, the film, the song. A modern-day football anthem par excellence. The most critically acclaimed TV show in the world right now, HBO's Succession, Logan Roy as protagonist, as a Hibs fan, we're talking worldwide brand recognition. There was even that commercial with ET in a Hibs top. That's right, we've moved from the global earth and we've gone into the cosmos. Now, Aberdeen. Aberdeen will bang on about winning the Cup Winners' Cup, but it's a defunct competition. And there's only, there's only just like many forgettable teams with Aberdeen, like Dynamo Tbilisi and Mechelen of Belgium who won that thing as well. Let's not even get started on the Super Cup. The Super Cup, a Diddy, also defunct competition that's just one letter shy one letter shy of being called the Supper Cup. <laughs> By the time Aberdeen fancied themselves in the early 80s, Hibs had already beaten the likes of Liverpool, Barcelona and Napoli in Europe. It was passe. What were Aberdeen fans doing at that point? I'll tell you, they were counting down the days until Annie Lennox got a record contract. <laughs> Hibs are trailblazers. Hibs are culture. Hibs are important. But perhaps the
3: biggest challenge was when non-league aficionado Russell Grant argued that the Middlesex collective of non-league teams were bigger than Ainsley Harriet's
7: Arsenal. Put this out to the Middlesex guys and this is what they came back with. So it's clubs and the younger people that became big people. They were cultured, nurtured by a club in Middlesex. Hendon... Ian Dowie, Wildstone, Stuart Pearce and Vinnie Jones, two players who went on to captain their respective countries, England and Wales, Jermaine Beckford and Marvin Morgan. Southall, Les Ferdinand, Hayes too. Yedding, Andrew MPDJ DJ Campbell, Enfield, Mark Warburton, Southall, Alan Devonshire, and 11, others, and Justin Vashon, who went back to Southall. Also going back was Stuart Garner from Blackburn to Wildstone, John McCormack, Crystal Palace to Wildstone, Sainstown, Eric Young, Scott Taylor, Lyle Taylor and Joe Aribo. <laughs> Sudbury Court, John Barnes, Bedfont Sports, Rhys Grego Cox, uh, Ray Wilkins represented Middlesex, oh. born in Hillingdon, Hayes, Jason Roberts, Ashford Town Middlesex, Danny Borman, Hampton, Darren Powell and the Wildstone Raider.
3: Russell Grant and Middlesex there, a real force to be reckoned with. And on the subject of dynamic duos, when Bob Mills was asked which sports stars he'd invite round for dinner, there were two names on the team sheet.
2: It would be Torval and Dean, uh, and it would be something that I can speak freely about because I, I have dined with them on many, many of, uh, oh. occasions. It will be a very interesting evening. What will we be eating? Well, that's quite simple. Chris is a strange eater. He's a finicky eater. Let me put say that as a finicky like, quail, last time we dined together he had quail. But it wasn't just, oh lovely, i have a quail and i have some red wine, I'll, I'll have a Now, No, here's his tiny little quail, tiny little pieces of quail that have been deboned. It's like an Ottolenghi quail, it's a, and there's a bit of green slime somewhere in the middle. There's no meat there on a quail. You know, <laughs> it's all bone nice. and that, but, he, but he'll eat quail and some of that, whereas okay. Jane is a delight to cook for, because all you gotta do is open up a tin of suet pudding, basically, a stacking kidney pudding. bent Yeah, fray bent <laughs> Stick it in them, stick the whole thing, pierce the top, stick it in the boiling water, and she'll have, she'll have half a dozen of them. <laughs> Seriously, with mash, she'll have half a dozen of them. Who's
3: the third person? Now,
2: the third person would have to be, and this is the top of my head, I'm going to say Royce Mills, who was a boxing oh, yeah. referee. And the reason for that is when you, when you are dining with Jane
9: and'
2: uh, yeah. Claire, it's, uh, Jane and, and Chris it's lovely for the first hour. lovely for the second hour. third hour gets a little bit, for, but by the fourth hour there'll be a little mistake, and Jane will say something like. <laughs> I remember when I looked at the scores and I thought, oh, my God, I've got all sixes. And Chris will say, oh, you got all sixes. Oh, isn't oh, it? Dear, right, oh
8: really?
2: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't oh, there. And she'll oh. say, of course you were there. Someone had to help me lift. And then it'll kick off. <laughs> so you need a boxing <laughs> referee in there to just hold them apart and yeah, say, listen, okay. oi,
7: oi, put that... April Spritzer, then Chris, <laughs> you've had enough. Leave it. And who could lift her after six frames? Oh, oh <laughs> nowadays, nowadays
2: you need a team of strong men, I tell you, to get her off to bed at the end of the night. It I'm going like... to bed, she said. I'm going to bed. Well, hang on. I'll oh, say, yeah. hang on. I'll, I'll get, be... Rick, I'll get my <laughs> mate Ricky Vanswell to and we'll take you up together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
10: Jordan Henderson is a player who
2: likes to do his business in the middle of the park.
3: (laughs) You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. It's time to incur the wrath of the sporting gods in the round we know as... Sporting Heretics. Each week, we invite our guests to propose an idea they believe will change sport for the better... An idea that may well challenge convention and break all the rules. But here on Glory Hunters, we're not afraid to tear up the rule book because where we're headed, we don't need rules. And we start with Bob Mills and an impassioned plea for more diversity in football management.
2: Uh, Sustainability, uh, equality, equal opportunities, diversity. It's All we ever hear from the people who run football. Yeah. Okay, they're weasel words. It's lip service, that's all they're playing. Because there are two words which they then sneak in at the end. They say, we should have more BAME managers. We should have more women managers. We should have more transgender. We should have all these people there. In fact, it shouldn't be about whether you're a man or a woman. Shouldn't be about you're black or black. It should be the best qualified person for the job should be given it. And that's where they stump you best qualified. What about people (laughs) with no qualifications? What about people who've been too busy earning a living to bother to be able to go out and get the badges? What about people who spent thousands and thousands of pounds watching football and therefore their knowledge of it is equal or better to any of these people who've been on the courses at Lillyshaw. I'm going (laughs) to Lillyshaw. Now, I believe that there should be shortlists for managers of football clubs, for people who just want to have a go. Lovely, yeah. You can just turn (laughs) up and say, here's my season ticket, I've been coming 37 years. (laughs) Bang! And you should be in. And you should be given a go. Have you got your FA Pro licence? I've
3: got my HGV licence. Yeah.
7: You're in. I'll I'll
2: tell you what I've got. I've got... A couple of hundred pounds. Stick that in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> who's, this, who's left yeah. this money on the table? I, love it. I like the old. And that—that that would be diversity. <laughs> and, that, a, and as we 100 read out now, the Charity Shield is, final. Is 50s. Pub Guardiola <laughs> leading out Manchester City, and alongside him, the Manchester United <laughs> man <manager's> Stan Rouse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Barnsley, yeah. who's nicked a couple of quid on the table. <laughs> he's, a wind, he's a window cleaner. Yeah, he's fancied <laughs> his chances. And God bless them, they've given him a go. And they, they, they go, have you got your football badges? Yeah, I've got this one. It was on, that you get it free with some frosties. But why sew <laughs> yeah. it on? Because <laughs> the, the other thing is, is this. Let's not beat about the bush. They love to be glamorised. Oh, we have them on talks. Oh, oh, big oh, Sam. Oh, 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 look at Gareth, the job he's doing. Let me tell you something. I once went to a symphony. And he, the conductor, this is honest truth, the conductor dropped his baton. Yeah. Music just carried on. Problem. <laughs> no problem at all. Absolutely no problem at all. Nothing changed. Wendy, yes.
3: you think mums should be the match officials? I do.
11: I think it'd be a great idea to have mum refs, mum linesmen. I'd like to see. I think it'd be great for the fans to see boys that are on 150 grand a week being told, right, we're doing this, are we? I think a mum look can silence anyone. I think we, we, we should have more cards. We'd be like, that. the green cards means I've got my eyes on you. I know what you're doing. That's your first <laughs> warning before I get my yellows. We should award free kicks for good behaviour. I think oh that you should <laughs> encourage the good behaviour and ignore the bad. Nice. And also I just think it would be, be great for all the fans to see yeah. them towing the line.
9: Would the players have to tidy the dressing
12: room up at the end of the game? Yes,
11: mm-hmm. they <laughs> would! And do you know what, Not your servant. they'd have to tidy the away teams as well, if they, ver- if they upset me a lot. Would you,
12: what, would you replace the dugout with like a naughty step?
11: I would I have, no. no I, would, I tell you what I would do. I, you know when the, the when the ball goes off and the manager of the opposite team doesn't help them get it. Oh I'm, no. Yes. But no! I'm not having that. It's good sportsmanship all round. I want to see everyone leading by example.
3: Wendy, you've you've pinpointed the problem with the whole of football, I think, which is mums aren't <laughs> more involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for that, I'm going to give you four goals, Wendy, Thank because you very much. I've, I've broken the I've broken the scoring uh, Stru- rules and structure. For you, Wendy, because it was such a good answer. So
11: we've we've literally smashed the glass ceiling, have we? Smashed the glass
3: ceiling on this show, exactly. Natalie, colour coding in tennis.
11: Yes, I've been thinking about this for a while
4: because, you know, at Wimbledon it's very proper. Everyone has to wear white when you're playing tennis. Mm. And I think, isn't that a little bit boring? Because not everyone's as good as Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal or whoever it is. And surely it'd be nice if we have a colour coding system where you know roughly where that player is at in the world rankings, for example. This is a superb <laughs> so, Yes, so one to 10, white. They're wearing white, oh, we know that. So that's the champions. <laughs> that's, they're the elite. And then, okay. you know, 11 to 20, black. 21 to 30, yellow. You get my gist. We're, like going, we're going down different color So if they're
3: like 200th in the world, brown.
4: Could be brown, yeah. Could be <laughs> beige, because beige is <laughs> beige. Yeah. bland. Oh. You know, you're not doing as yeah. well as everyone else that way you know the standard of tennis you're going to be watching you're going to be knowing who's the top dog and who's the underdog and mm. if there's an upset going on it's very it's very visual
3: natalie do you know what sport they do to this in go on stock car racing what stock car racing they have different color roofs for how good you are and how, oh, well, there you go, how you well, well you are doing in in the world <laughs> rankings there gold you go. top oh, I didn't
4: know that. top of the
3: tree white top Beginner.
4: Well, wouldn't it? I mean, you could have that. You could have, like, the defending Wimbledon champion coming out in
13: gold. Yeah. The
3: colour coding's very, very good, <laughs> <actually. laughs> Karate, You do the same with
13: karate, don't you? You, you get better karate, you that's get it. a nicer Judo, coloured that's belt. Is it? Yeah. 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 Judo that's as true,
3: well. that's very good. good very, very good. Oh, uh, that makes a lot sense to me, that. A lot of sense, me, <laughs> uh, lot of sense and I can't argue with it, and I'm afraid it's another three points. Mike, Yeah. Mike Parry. Some cities should only have one football team. Exactly.
6: Now the city in question is Bristol. Ooh are! Who are! Let's have you! Arrr, right now. There's a chap called Ian Holloway, who uh, works with us sometimes here at Talksport, De- very decent chap, great manager, but you know, you go and ask him, you know, how many teams you think you should be in Bristol there, Ian? Arr, 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 how many do you think? And he'll probably say, although I've never asked him, he'll probably say one. Now, the reason is because neither Bristol City or Bristol Row has ever won one blinking thing in the whole of the history of their clubs. Okay? so what you do is you demolish both their grounds, you abandon both their clubs, you put them together. And guess what colours they'd have if you did? They'd have Barcelona's colours, blue and red stripes. You would then build a new ground. You'd call it Bristol. Not Bristol City or Bristol Road, no, it's just Bristol. In fact, to be even more clever, Bristol United. Okay, Bristol United, one team in Bristol. They could probably then start putting themselves on the football mat. It's a brilliant idea. Sheffield, I'm afraid, have got to face up to the fact that neither of those teams have ever won a blinking thing. Sheffield so Wednesday.
2: Sheffield Wednesday, is
6: Sheffield Wednesday has anything worth talking about since two centuries ago. Okay, Since two centuries ago. One League Cup. Thank one you. League Cup, okay? Um, and, and, and by the way, they got beaten in two finals in the same season by Arsenal, so they've never really done anything to whistle home about, okay. Think it's a brilliant
2: idea though, I'd say it's absolutely brilliant.
6: Yes, and so what I'm saying is that cities who fail with two clubs yeah. could succeed with one. I it agree. would be a step forward the, I agree. in obvious, the evolution of
2: football. Obvious, obvious question, Mike, having bleated on about Liverpool and Everton, mm, isn't mm. How would that stand on Merseyside?
5: You well, wouldn't do it, it on
6: Merseyside because each of the clubs in the city of Liverpool are gigantic clubs with gigantic histories, gigantic backgrounds. Everton are the yeah. fourth most successful club in this country, Liverpool yeah. are second or third. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. You Goals, didn't really. say anything about Liverpool
3: and Everton. Yeah. Well, of course you don't because
6: they survive individually as great clubs. Right, but you could, just, just, Bristol you could just flatten Missile
3: Rovers or trash. You could just flatten Stanley Park and build a, one stadium there and put the
8: Two teams together. Why did you not
6: think well, of that? They tried to do that. They've, I just have to. tried that plan. I just
3: have to disagree with you.
8: I think that in,
12: that mm. Mike Parry has mm. come up with a brilliant, brilliant idea, and this is not heretical at all. Here, this is not heretical. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic idea. Right, uh, Tim Vine. I think he's agree. I don't, say
6: say I don't you. agree with. It's heretical to people of Bristol who are. I'm telling you,
14: you're not knocking down my football stadium. Stephen Grant. You're going to rename football. Look, I'm, I'm trying to solve the fundamental problem of football. And whereas I believe VAR is very prevalent right now, and I was agreed entirely with Andrew's points, I think the problem with football is is that football still has a bad reputation, sometimes to do with FIFA, but a lot to do with some of the aggression and the non-sporting approach that football has in the rest of the sporting world. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact there's a sense of entitlement and arrogance around the football community, because we all appreciate and understand it it is the beautiful game and in many ways the best sport in the world. Mm -hmm. But what we need to do is have a little bit more humility. And I think the problem comes especially within the English game, or the British game specifically, in the fact that we call it football. Mm-hmm. Football as a name is a umbrella term for various other footballs around the world. And I know it's gonna be uh, okay. hard for people to hear this, right? Rugby football, American football, mm-hmm. there are other forms of football out there. And the name used to be soccer. Now everyone hates the name soccer. They think, oh, it's an Americanism. But of course it isn't, because it comes from association football and it came out so that we could establish the difference between association football and rugby football. The, age of which are being pretty much the same as each other. There's an argument that one is older than the other, and I'm sure on social media people will be correcting me on this. But the reality is it's a British name that we came up with that we gave the Americans mm. and when Americans came up with American football they kept soccer and American football became football and that's obviously their lookout and we're not going to judge them on that but we used to call it soccer ourselves up until about the mid 70s it was an interchangeable name with football then we decided it was too American and we got rid of it and we went to football and that arrogance has permeated the sport and made us unpopular with other sporting areas and if we go back to soccer football can get some humility back and be popular amongst sporting fans everywhere it's a tough Tough decision, everyone will hate it, yeah. but in a generation's time, everyone who supports football or plays it will be welcomed into the rest of the sporting community. Soccer. I recommend a
3: referendum on that. <laughs> <laughs> Some previous glory hunters there daring to think the unthinkable in sporting heretics.
0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
12: I'm Jim White. There was a petition for me to be featured on the new £50 note.
3: You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. Now, here on Glory Hunters, we like to probe our panellists in the nicest way possible. And that's why we do this. Our esteemed panel are about to face the scrutiny of the general public and have absolutely no idea what they'll ask as we play A Question of Sport Time. Come with our first question please.
11: Hello guys. I'd like to ask the panel who do they believe is the most overrated person in sport?
3: Terry Alderton.
5: Well, I was going to go um, I was going to go a bit controversial, and I had a good reason why. I was going to go David Beckham. But not that he wasn't a great player and he, you know brilliant player and was always dependable when we needed him, but I think he's more famous than he was as good a player as he, he could have been mm, right? okay. because he became more of a corporate footballer. That's where I was going to go. And then I suddenly thought, no, I'm not going to have a go at old Becks. Mm. I don't really like to have a go at anyone, but I'm going Paul Popka.
3: Who? <laughs> Paul, Pogba. <laughs> Paul Pogba. Who is it? Paul Popcorn. P- p- Who is it? <laughs> I hate Paul. <laughs> Paul Popcorn. I hate Paul that Paul Paul, guy. Paul yeah, Pogba. God. Who is it, Paul? Paul, Paul, it? Paul <laughs> Pol- Pogba. <laughs> Paul Pogba. Paul <laughs> Pogba. Paul Come on, Paul Terry. Paul Pogba. Who is it, Terry? <laughs> Paul Pogba. Pope- I can't say it now for real! Maybe you don't like him because... Maybe you think he's overrated because Paul Pogba. You can't say his
5: name. I can't say his name. I can't whistle either. Anyway, Paul Pogba. I think he's a great, a great footballer, and you've seen it when he played for France in the World Cup. He's yeah. superb. He's a great, great, great yeah. footballer. But I think he's just—I mean, I don't know him, so it's wrong to say. But from what goes on, when his people have got to decide whether he's injured or not. Man United can't decide whether he's injured or not. And where's he gone again? And for me, I think one of the main problems for Manchester United has been him. I think he's, he's not a good apple in the apple cart. That, rid- that makes
3: him overrated. I think
5: he's overrated in the fact that he it, believes his own hype. Because I think he needs a bit of humble pie about him. Because he, he is a phenomenal footballer. And I think he could be one of the all-time great footballers. But mm. I think what he's doing is he's believing mm. the hype, as public enemy would say. They would say that. And well, I famous, th- famous So for it. me, he's overrated on that score. Hopefully to bring him down a peg. And that he can be the great player that we saw in the World
3: Cup. So you want to bring Pogba down a peg? I don't think he'll even be listening <laughs> to this show. <laughs> yeah, Paul <Pupka. laughs>
5: Pogba. Okay, Pogba. I mean,
3: I'm going to give you oh, yes. one goal Pogba. for just Pogba. trying to say his name. Pogba? It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. beautiful. Oh, the best. One goal. So Jacob like Hawley. Yes. Who do you think is the most overrated person in
13: sport? I think the most overrated person in sport is sports Fans, And I say that as a sports fan myself, and I say that because on a Sunday afternoon, after drinking a skinful the night before, I'll wake up with a hangover, drink four more, sit there half drunk in an armchair, and I will sit there and (laughs) shout about how a professional athlete who's spent their entire (laughs) life training to be on the pitch that I'm watching has misplaced a pass by four inches. <laughs> That's one of the, re- the The other reason that I think sports fans are overrated is because uh, last year, I remember England played a game where there was no fans in the ground. And I thought it was actually hilarious being able to hear what the players were saying yeah. to each other. Yeah. And I actually think... so I've, I've made the mistake of watching rugby because the Six Nations is back, but... <laughs> One of the things I like about rugby (laughs) is that you can hear the referees and I think wouldn't it be better if you could hear the referees and the players and the managers, microphone all of them, tell the fans to just be quiet and enjoy the pantomime of footballers screaming at each other.
3: I like the idea. It's a very brave answer as well, Jacob. Very, very good. Three goals. Very good. Can we have our next question, please? Hello. I'd like to ask the panel, what everyday activity deserves sports status?
15: Adam Riches. I would say, uh, guessing... Where the train doors are on a platform. Very nice. I think there's, I know there's apps and there's things that you can kind of find out where best to stand to get that door, that sweet spot when it's there. Mm. But I think if you had people that had no prior knowledge of the platform or the service at all, and just threw them on, they gave them ten seconds to go, and they got to pick that nice spot for the doors. I think you could, I think you could apply a point system to that.
3: You've got to come down the the stairs onto the platform on any platform around the country, Uh, hit the doors. The stairs bit is. You know that's that's up to you, Charlie. If you want, oh, okay. <laughs>
15: that that, that I was just okay. adding that. I wouldn't mark and... them on the stairs. Oh, right, okay. uh, I think it would be solely on like straight straight onto the platform. Ten <laughs> yeah. seconds clock clocked. They can see the train coming, so there's that drama. There's that yeah. sense of drama and yeah. intrigue, and then they just got to pick where to go.
3: People would get really good <laughs> knowledge of train. They'd go travel the country, practicing on the train stations until it comes to
15: tournament yeah. time. Well, ideally, you'd have people that have never ever seen a train before. Oh, that'd be because nice. Because then that would be. That <laughs> what would is be, this? So, Yeah, they would <laughs> They wouldn't actually be knowing what they were doing on the platform, but we as the viewer (laughs) would
12: know that they were trying to get where the door was. I will grant you there's a natural jeopardy in the process of alighting that train. Mm -hmm. And do I get points for using the word alighting? I think so. (laughs) The bottom line is that um, you've got obviously lots of potential obstacles. Some train services close the doors 60 seconds before departure and don't open them again, Mm -hmm. which I think is an extra curveball because you don't know whether it'll be one of those trains Mm -hmm. or not. There's a couple yeah. of operators. There's one. The worst is two minutes. I, I lost a relationship. Market. In
3: Adam's rules, you're Over waiting that. for the train yeah. to come in, and it's yeah, people yeah, who've yeah. never seen a train before.
12: Yeah, and also mm. it's
9: not it doesn't relate to when the train leaves. It's just yeah. when you get on.
3: Yeah, and isn't a lighting when you get off? Isn't that is a, is a mm. lighting getting off or getting on? Get a off. lighting is getting on, isn't it? No, it's getting, getting off. off. Yeah. Getting off. Sorry, Mark. You actually I, lose I, a point. No, lose. Adam, it's an excellent idea. I'm giving you two goals. Wendy Wayson.
11: Uh, the sport i would implicate is making tea i would like tea to be a sport you can also pitch your children against each other to make you a cup of tea there's flair the color mm. of the tea and um, the amount of milk they add to it uh, how they serve it also the little curveball ball of what they serve it with oh. my little boy served me some smarties in an egg cup with my tea. You've got now, I didn't a, really a well-trained top wow. prize. I, I didn't want a Smartie, but as soon as I saw the Smartie, I was like, that is a genius Spushing idea. Out an egg cup. Not, a whole, not a whole packet, just a few. And I was like, this is amazing.
15: Enough. A taste. Yeah. I feel there's a problem. Oh, okay. okay. I, must I, admit. Fun. okay. I love in. the idea. Spanner in. It feels to me that it's subjective on the taste of the tea and the person you're serving it to. Judges could be all different. You have to research
11: your judges. It's like ice skating. It's not going to appeal to everyone.
15: So it would be making my tea. So I'd say, I like my tea... Sort of strong, bit of milk, yeah. and then I'd be
3: gauging it. Maybe
15: to look you'd at the like person, be a, no. a
11: European yeah. tan, or <laughs> no. maybe like a, a, an Irish tan. I oh,
3: yes. will wh- <laughs> withdraw my,
15: my oh, yeah.
11: problem. Was okay. very very
3: good. Yeah. Uh, I, Wendy, it's my... an excellent answer, and you mentioned Smarties in an egg cup, which brilliant. <laughs> three goals. Mark Dolan.
12: <laughs> I worried that this non-sporting activity is so demanding, both physically and mentally, that it's almost too hard to be a sport. But I'm going to submit it filling the dishwasher Mm, which is the bane of most people's lives i think we can all agree Um, it's it's a highly strategic process to make sure that you stack plates with a sufficient equidistance between them that each plate gets a good scrub you have the profound physical challenge of getting the drawer back in position should it derail have you ever suffered a derail of the dishwasher it's human conquest isn't it man versus machine god help you if you run out of salt or rinse aid that's the ultimate curveball, isn't it? And you never know when that rinse aid is going to run dry. That's like, though, when the, when the kit man
3: for a team turns up and they've got the, bought the wrong kit or no away kit, isn't yeah, it? Okay. Not bought rinse aid. It's, it's the equivalent of, uh, you know... I am awful at it, loading the dishwasher. I put this down to the fact... I grew up without a dishwasher. Oh. Never had one. And so, right, so even now, how I am did terrible you manage? at it. And even now, I am terrible <laughs> I at it. I wondered why your hands also, are so dry all and our pressed. plates are too big for our dishwasher.
11: Some of the dishwashers you can lift up the, the, the top I, tier. Oh, I'm not
3: interested in the whole thing.
11: I quite enjoy, because my husband is very particular about how the dishwasher gets stacked. And I think, who the hell cares? You just chuck it all in. And sometimes I think, I could put a plate in straight, or I could put it in just a little bit wonky and ruin his whole day. Oh, well, that's, that's
12: cool. perfect. That's, that, <laughs> no, that's all part of the sport. That is Not a, a scorched yeah. earth policy.
3: I like it, Mark, but you've reminded me of the dishwasher. So I'm going to give you two <laughs> goals. James Brown. OK, I do this.
9: OK. And it's very enjoyable, which is why I believe it should be established as an Olympic sport. The throwing of tea bags. Into cups from a distance. Yeah. Vastly improved when the pyramid tea bag was introduced. Yeah. I first saw this on one of the early series of Big Brother. There was a, a Scottish guy called Sandy. Okay. It was very meticulous about how he did his daily routine. It was before, in the early days of Big Brother, they didn't give him anything to yeah. do. They just put them in there. <laughs> and he used to jog around this swimming pool every morning. The other thing he used to do was throw tea bags in. And it's actually a very rewarding yeah. sport because it works because you get a cup of tea at the end that's the reward it's easy to clear up because yeah. the tea bags largely no fall mess. roughly the same area they're not messy you can use them again so it's very in keeping with the idea of recycling and, mm-hmm. and not having excessive waste and the feeling when the tea bag lands in the cup is just fantastic and yeah. and, and you can you can vary the distance you can have long distance pyramid bag throwing you can have short distance very nice pyram- or you can do it from a height we yeah. can do it flat whatever it works yeah. it's it's, just, it's very satisfying I and i it. people watch curling they watch darts they watch bowls this is the kitchen version of all of them it would be very very popular it's like javelin without the danger right,
3: it's an excellent <laughs> perfect idea Thank you. james I love it. brilliant I love it. three goals can we have our next question please hello what four other players, past or present, would the panel select for their five-a-side team? I'm assuming in the question he means you're playing as well. Yes. So you are, you are in this squad. I'd like to know where you're going to play as well. What position? Uh, Natalie. Oh, goodness. P- four players, past or present, would you select for your five-a-side team?
4: Um, well, I am going for Buffon. Oh, yeah.
3: That, me, Lovely, you
4: know. yeah. And then I'm going for... I (laughs) like the idea of sharing a glass of wine with Pierlo. Yeah, I can imagine you do. Yes, carry on, (laughs) Natalie. Then I'm going for... Messi on and Henri because I just think to see them... And Henri, Yeah, right, I know. OK, yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's a great five-a-side team, we'll all admit.
4: How exciting is that, though? I think that would be a that's fun a, team that's to watch. It's
3: a walk. fun team. I mean, yeah. Interesting. Messi nope. is definitely fifth-wheeling there.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no Brentford players. No, Brentford, not no, one.
4: No, because um, they're too good for my team. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
14: there we are. Let's have the next question, please. Hello, I'd like to ask the panel what do you no longer see in sport that you'd like to see return?
9: James Brown. I liked it uh, at football grounds, and I mainly experienced it through photographs, um, when you'd see big crowds of people on the hills looking through gaps yes. in the stands. Lovely. Another version of that is people on the top of blocks of flats. Yes, yes. It's a great reflection on how important sport, normally it would be football or cricket, yeah. how important those fixtures are for those people. And I think those photographs or that experience, if, you'd, if you're a listener and you've been up the top of a hill or a Tree, on top yeah. of some flats or up some trees, yeah. you're all climbing the stanchions that the floodlights were on. Yeah. Too many people <laughs> on platforms they shouldn't be on yeah. because they love getting the, the wrong sport. train.
3: Great answer. I'm going to give you three goals. <laughs> Thank I you. The minimum of six goals.
1: Thank you.
9: You got
3: there. Dougie Anderson.
1: I miss an old school dugout. And the scrambles mm. contained therein, the sheer spectacle of seeing people hitting their heads on the cronkite roof while mm-hmm. sitting 20 feet below sea level in something that did resemble a World War II beach defence position, perhaps in Normandy. Um, it was truly a sight to behold because now the so called Bencher. Technical area, isn't it? It's like an upmarket doctor's waiting room, isn't it? You've got a comfortable place to be. You've got the heated seats, a yeah. selection of isotonic drinks. You wonder if some players would rather be there than on the pitch. Not so in the old school dugout, because it's back to basics. It will focus players on what's important and why they started playing in the first place. Yeah, I like that. It's a great answer. Um, I,
3: don't, I wouldn't go back to those old like Nissan huts, aren't they? All like Concrete you just
1: see the the player the, the player, a sub perhaps the old physiotherapist just peeking out. yeah you know? that yeah. literally dug yeah. out, doesn't it. it Yeah.
10: I
5: never wanted to leave. I'm here for the rest of my life and hopefully after that as
14: well. <laughs>
3: We've seen an array of guests join us on the show, one of which was maestro, musician, and Man City fan Rick Wakeman, a man whose talent has propelled him into the Premier League of Music. Wait, I was getting bored then. I, mean, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> do you like listening to your own stuff?
10: What no, is it like? I rarely, if ever, listen to my, my own stuff. Unless I'm really depressed and then want to get even more depressed. No, I, it's very hard to listen to your own stuff. So so I, 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 well, I don't. When you hear it, do you hear different things from everyone else? Do you hear like, oh, I played
14: that a bit it wrong? It depends on
10: the piece. I think it's like the Bowie stuff and the, and the T-Rex stuff. You, you just remember... That, the times you spent with them. It does, come, does sort of come flooding back, I must admit, yeah.
3: You've played on over 2,000, 2000 records? Is that? Yeah, well, that I'm right? old. Oh,
10: <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and you yeah, started it's, early? it's about to. I started in 65. I did the first sessions for people, then did loads, went through 71. Those were the days when you did two or three a day, you know, like sort of 10 to 1 in the morning. You'd, you'd be along doing, you know, loads of stuff. Uh, and you never knew what you were going to do. So you could be doing sort of... Clive Dunn, Grandad, followed by Love Grows Like My Rosemary's <laughs> Nose. Did you play mine. on Grandad? I did the follow-up for it. I did uh, Granddad, Grandma, I Love You. Grandma, everybody. We I love you. you. It, it Just was, two of us. Yeah, so you'd be doing all sorts of things. You could be doing Black Sabbath in any evening. as say like Clive and, or, or You could be doing anything. It was great fun. Did you ever play on something and think, oh, I've heard about rubbish, I've never hear of that again. And yeah, then it, was it was a huge a, hit. Oh, no, it was a huge, huge hit. You did learn to sort of spot them. I mean, so sort of when I did the T-Rex stuff and obviously the Bowie stuff, where we did space Odyssey first of all, you just sort of know that that's, yeah, cl- yeah. that's classy. That's really is good.
3: Now, Rick, you and Elvis are the only two people I've ever seen in music who could carry off a cape. I'm yeah. disappointed you haven't got yours on today.
10: No, I haven't got it on today. It's interesting. There's a lot of Elvis connections uh, that I've got. Um, um, did you ever meet him? Uh, no, uh, close. My my father was an Elvis impersonator. All right. He didn't. He did really badly. There, was, there wasn't much call for it in 1937. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, intru- he actually did introduce me to... Uh, <laughs> sorry That's about that. That's such a good joke. <laughs> sorry, I know. I must behave myself. I do apologise. He came to a couple of Yes shows and we actually played in Memphis the day he died and that was really tough. you got an audience of like 25,000 people in tears. Yeah, you know, I've done things like, like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just an average show for yeah, me yeah. But <laughs> that, it, it, was, it.
10: it was a strange night Yeah, the, the cape things, yeah yeah. Who it, did,
3: did you design your own costumes and outfits?
10: They came by accident really I used to carry, well I still do carry loads and loads of keyboards about and there was a review back in 1971 that said that I looked like a demented spider with legs and arms going everywhere <laughs> trying to play all the things yeah. and I became really conscious of the self-conscious and we did uh, an outdoor festival which was introduced by the local DJ in Hartford and uh, he was wearing a three-quarter length cape. And when he turned round, he was enormous. I thought, that cape hides a multitude of seats. <laughs> so he came off, and I Very said... Very slimming,
3: a cape. And I said,
10: yeah. I said, can I, can I buy you a cape? And he went, no. And I said, go on. And I'd just been proud. I got $200 in my back pocket in a $20, $20 bill. And I said, I'll give you all I've got. He says, my, my, my wage is $200. And he looked at it, and he went, you're all right then. So he took the money, I put the cape on, came off, and our lighting guy, Michael Tate, came to me and said... You just found the answer, but it's not a black cape like that. We need to get you a real sparkly, glittery sequin cape so it catches the lights. And he said, "I know, I know a lady who will make them for you." And he introduced me to this lady in uh, in Cleveland, and she made the capes, and that's how it all started. I still wear them in all the rock shows, and if I don't, people complain like crazy. Where was the cape? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get it all. Yeah, uh, and when I do South America, it's actually they write it in the contract that I will wear one of the Classic original capes. Because in their magazines, that's all they print, picture of you in the, in the, in the cape. So you go, OK, any friend of Batman's, a friend of mine.
3: Now, clearly, Rick is a man who's worked with a variety of musical greats. But the one performer we were all keen to know about was his close encounter with Basil
10: Brush. I was doing a programme with, with Danny Baker called Bygones, going way back, and we were recording at the Beeb. And I walked into the wrong studio where Basil was rehearsing. And it was the the guy who was winning was the guy not with his hand up, Basil, but the guy an was the guy who, used to, who was in a um, yes minister, Derek oh, yeah. Fowles, yeah, Derek Fowles, yeah. yeah, and he, 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 he was there. Uh, and I went in and and he stopped and, and Basil <laughs> looked at me and said, went oh, it's Rick Wakeman. I said yeah. He said, what are you doing now? I've come in the wrong studio. And he went oh really? I said yeah. He said well <laughs> off then. <laughs> <And> then <laughs> so I was told to. <laughs> By Basil. Basil Brush, and I went to see uh, a few years ago. He was in pantomime at Ipswich at the Regent, and I took some of the grandchildren al- along. And we went back afterwards, and uh, just to, to say hello. And of course, he's a different guy with his hand up, yeah. Basil now. And I just I, I happened to mention the the the, the story, <laughs> and he did did wait till the grandchildren had left. He went. By the way, Rick, these I said, He <laughs> said, so was, yeah. So I'm the only person who's been told to. F- to us by Basil yeah. Brush. Now,
3: Rick isn't the only guest to have come face to face with a legend. Tommy Walsh, a man who's a ground force unto himself, shared a similar tale.
2: Well, it's always great if you want to win a few quid, actually, because the, the question you need to ask is, who was the goalkeeper that David Beckham scored against? Scored a penalty against the last one for in, in an England game. Okay, okay, day, yeah, and it was During a full England, England, England yeah. international. And it was I was doing something for um, for Sport Relief, and they said, "Will you do a penalty competition at half time?" So okay. I said, "Yeah, sure." So I went down. I had my son, who was only ten at the time, with me, and he stood by the goal. And Sven was in charge. Uh, and for the fir- for the first time, and for no apparent reason, at half time, the players didn't go off the pitch. They all stayed on the sideline. So it was ra- rather weird. But yeah. I knew a few of them. Uh, you know, David James was the club captain sure. at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Goalkeepers' so, union, of course. Exactly, mm-hmm. the big high five. I went in goal, got on with. There was ten penalties, and there was uh, five people, all had two penalties each. So no one was taking any notice. Yeah. You know, everyone going to get their pints and pies and whatever. Yeah. And it was at Man City's ground, so that's where the England game was being played mm-hmm. against Iceland. Yeah, so I saved the first penalty, saved the second one, saved the third one, (laughs) saved the fourth, fifth and sixth one. By now, people are getting a bit interested, you know, and I've got the crowd, you know, behind me. Uh, And then a couple of the England players started warming down. Sammy Lee was warming them down Mm -hmm. uh, on the edge of the box. Only a couple of them. So uh, penalty number seven and penalty number eight saved them. Penalty number nine saved that. So that's nine Nine out of nine. By now, the whole England team are on (laughs) the edge of the box. No one's warming down. They're just watching the (laughs) penalty competition. So he took the tenth penalty and I saved it. So it's ten out of ten. And uh, the crowd were going nuts and uh, David Beckham was laughing, you know, standing on the edge. I went, come on in, son, bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got to think... This, you know, really yeah. was, was a long while ago now. My son's 26, so he was 10, 16 years ago. But you've got the England captain, he was about 28, so he was at, yeah. his, at his, his peak, peak I yeah, suppose, yeah. Was at his prime. And um, I just saved 10 out of 10 penalties in front of a full house, England, full international. The dream. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a Cockney builder. This, yeah. this is like yeah. something else, like a dream waking up. To be fair to him, he picked the ball up and put it down because he said he can't. I said, "Come on, He said, "I can't because of this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And up, apparently, up in the gallery, they were going, "David Beckham's about to take a penalty. <laughs> Who did he take the penalty against? <laughs> Have they kicked off?" <laughs> so uh, you've got to remember now. I think, as a goalkeeper all my life, about sixty percent of of people of players, if they're right footed, go to the goalkeeper's left, oh, and about forty okay. percent go to the goalkeeper's right. Yeah. So as he ran up to take it, he's got such a sweet right foot. I just moved a bit early, because oh. I don't normally just to just, just to move my not inconsiderable weight onto the one <laughs> leg you see, and over this left hand side because I'm going to save it anywhere yeah. on that side and then he stopped, you know when he yeah, digs yeah, his yeah, foot in yeah. he stopped, I fell over and he just flipped <laughs> it in oh. and that was, um, but ironically that was the last penalty he scored in an England shirt, because the next three penalties he, he took for England, he missed he all missed,
3: three he had the one where he slipped yeah. foot, foot went out yeah. from under him yeah. and yeah.
2: I did chance my arm afterwards, though, because I, I, he said to me, he came, he said he was a big fan of Ground Force. It was his favourite programme. Oh, yeah. And that's been documented. What did do he say? Can you do by... my patio? Well, no, he said that uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for ages, so I thought I'd chance my arm... And I sent him a book, uh, a signed book, and I said, Dear David and Victoria, the reason I deliberately dived the wrong way during a <laughs> uh, penalty competition was I didn't want to damage your confidence going into the Europeans. Yeah, yeah. However, if you like a rematch, I would be available for the final.
3: <laughs> <laughs> However, it felt like we were in the Legends Lounge when impressionist Darren Farley joined us along with Will Meller and German comedian Christian chilter
8: Favourite impression to do is Harry Ledner. I love doing it, Harry Ledner. Can you though? give us a bit, little bit yeah, of
6: were you? Were you? He's was absolutely fantastic. He's a terrific play. Were you? No, he's absolutely fantastic. He, he, he's, a, he's a breath of fresh air, yeah, really. He's absolutely terrific fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
9: <laughs> It was a very poor performance over the place of the season so far. I look at the position, the questions, and everything going on there.
4: I thought it was going season. but no. was going the season. So... Look
8: at that. And that position was the place. <laughs> 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 Laugh at Benitez, you'd probably say, is one of the tougher characters to do. Yeah, always when you talk about this, you know that the players, they work really hard. And you see, for, sometimes for the clue, you can see that, yeah, okay, always you work really hard, so, mm-hmm.
13: mm-hmm. That's <laughs> incredible. That's fantastic. Thank you.
3: Will, got any impressions? Aye, get down, do the chopper, get down, I do the chopper, do it. Now we have to say that that wasn't me.
6: No. <laughs> so, by the way, that Schwarzenegger... That was Sylvester was, Stallone, by the
3: way. Christian, when, got anything? Got but any? When Schwarzenegger was on Leno, I can only recommend that
12: video, when he was on Leno's talk show, Leno said, I heard that you are an avid skier. And
10: then Schwarzenegger said, what do you mean, I'm an average skier?
12: I'd <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, to hear Harry, Harry
8: Kane. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, it's, uh, it's been a great season I think that Obviously we need to score goals That's important uh, But yeah, listen We've got great players Who, who can score goals as well But uh, it's not all down to me You've got to see the other players that we've got, Yeah, obviously You must have a good Roy
2: Well, of course Obviously very good to play We have to know you' a very good performance But of course We've got to play very well I think we struggled We struggled in one particular
0: area today The pitch But important, you know <laughs>
10: A
3: few talented voices there joining us on the show. But a man with a secret talent is Bob Mills, who revealed his encyclopedic knowledge of an early 90s TV show. I'm going to list a number of names from the TV show Gladiators. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I I need you to tell me which are true or false. (laughs) When your time is up, you'll hear this sound. Louis van Gaal's Army. Are we ready? Come. Your time starts now. Saracen. True. It is true. Amazon. True tis true Rocketman. false, tis false, razzle, false, tis false, Vulcan, true, true, topanony nudger, false, <laughs> tis false, Xanadu, false, tis false, Rio, true, tis true laser quest Tr- false, tis false, zodiac, true, tis true, Fiesta. false, tis false, trojan, true, tis true, colonic, false, <laughs> <Tis> false. <laughs> Apollo false, tis false, bullet, true, tis true, the baron. False. It is false. Diesel. True. It is true. Chaos. False. It is false. The woodsman. False. It is false. Rebel. True. It is true. Siren. True. This is true. Oh, God, oh, it's true. Louis from got them all <laughs> right.
2: Oh, I know the gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I work with a lot of the gladiators. A, no. I don't
10: know the gladiators, That's but amazing. I think
2: I
3: would have got colonic. was <laughs> funny. <I think laughs> <have> <laughs> yeah. yeah. A thrilling finale
2: to that fixture
3: and a dramatic end to this platter of tasty radio morsels that are enough to excite the taste buds without leaving you feeling too bloated. Be sure to join us next Sunday at 9.30 for another thrilling fixture featuring famous faces. But until then, to all of our winners, we say... Oh, you have to say that's magnificent.
12: That was just pure football genius.
3: And to our losers...
12: Oh, you are of disgrace! For missing the target from there, you won bloody shooting!
3: Until next time, from me, Charlie Baker, is goodbye. If Glen had been any other nationality, he would have had 70 or 80 caps for England.
12: (laughs) That's the best one yet, isn't it? Uh...